0: Welcome to season three of the Today is a Good Day podcast, a podcast to bring you a new point of support as you navigate your NICU journey. Today is a Good Day is here to be a resource for you. We share personal stories from families who have been there, important advice from medical professionals, opportunities to focus on self-care and more. Please don't forget to hit subscribe, share this episode with anyone who might find it helpful, and leave us a review on your favorite podcast listening app. We are covering several important topics today, including Black maternal health, lack of access to healthcare, breastfeeding, the role of a postpartum doula, and more. Camille Barnes is the Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at the Maternal Wellness Center. Camille is passionate about racial equity and inclusion, particularly as it relates to reproductive justice and access for all to high-quality birth options and holistic postpartum support. She is a seasoned mother to four boys, ranging in age from early elementary to middle school. Camille is a social justice advocate through her podcast, Two Not Two Black Moms, that she co-hosts with Maria silver Payanov, a former guest on the Today is a Good Day podcast. Camille is also a certified postpartum doula and breastfeeding counselor who has knowledge of infant care and soothing techniques, early infant development milestones, and breastfeeding initiation. In that work, she became attuned to how the disparities in Black maternal health were so significant, which made her passionate about increasing the women of color working in the field to help bring support to moms of color. Welcome, Camille. So happy to have you here with us today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you to where you are today helping families.
1: Okay. So I, for as long as I can remember, have always loved babies and everything baby and kids Um, I worked in daycare for a little over 10 years. Um, When I was in high school, some of my friends had kids. And I, well, I think I befriended people just because they had kids. (laughs) And I started babysitting. I I was a godmother at 15. Um, I always babysat kids around the neighborhood. Everyone in my family who had babies, I was always there to help. Um, I would spend the night, you know, when my brother and his wife had their kids, I'd spend the night and help with the newborns. And it was just something I have always loved. And then when I moved here, um, I still did daycare for a while. I worked in emotional support with the Philly School District with uh, elementary students. And I loved that too. The counseling aspect of it was really, it was really my favorite. And uh, then I started my own family. And uh, my boys are all about two years apart. And without family here, I had a really hard time. In the beginning, I struggled with postpartum depression. Um, I had a lot of breastfeeding woes because I didn't know what I was doing. I was kind of winging it, and I didn't have a ton of support. So, I just tried to learn as much as I could about it, and tell everyone else that I knew who was having babies at the same time as you know as much as I could about it. And it was so interesting, and so it's become you know a passion of mine to encourage breastfeeding and support women through that. Um, so, I stayed home with my boys for a long time about 10 years. And then I started watching babies at my house. And then I became a doula uh, about five years ago. Um, and I started working with Silver. And I have never looked back. I feel like I was born to do this.
0: Well, and it, it, becoming a doula and including me, I, I would love to get a better understanding of really what your role as a postpartum doula and a breastfeeding counselor, what does that actually
1: mean? So what I do is I come in to support families and moms during that really hard period between birth and your six-week checkup. Um, All the times when you're not sure why you're so emotional, you don't understand about the hormones, or you know if they're having trouble breastfeeding in the beginning, I can give you tips on how to increase their milk supply, on positioning and latching. Um, I can help them through any struggles that they may be having. Um, I can point them to their pediatrician or their OB if. There seems to be a medical issue of some sort. I can ease their mind to let them know what's normal. Um, I help with just normal newborn care, things like diaper changing, swaddling, um, comforting tips on how to, you know, keep baby quiet and help them to sleep better, good sleep habits and things like that.
0: When you look at your role as a postpartum doula, what does that mean? What, what, What role do you play with a
1: family? So, as soon as baby comes home from the hospital, um I will meet with the family. We offer daytime and nighttime hours. Um daytime care usually just looks like I'm coming to the house, making sure mom has eaten, um, just helping with the baby, giving her time to rest or shower, um helping with you know, the baby's laundry, that sort of thing. Um, but nighttime care is literally overnight care. So I show up at the house. um I help. You know, help them get settled in for the night. If mom is breastfeeding, I bring baby every time the baby needs to be fed. And when she's done, she shoots me a text and I go get the baby, burp, change, feed, and get them back to sleep and help establish good sleep habits from the beginning.
0: Oh, good sleep habits. So important. Yes. Right. From the beginning. And you are a magician that you can make that happen. With
1: other people's children. Yes. Yes.
0: (laughs) Now, we're talking about that when, when a baby comes home from the hospital. So what is a, a postpartum doula's role when a baby's in the NICU? What does that look like?
1: So if they've been in the NICU, then when the baby comes home from the hospital, the doula can come in and help with overnight care or even daytime care if mom needs a few hours.
0: You are a wealth of knowledge and an incredible resource for a lot of families, I am sure, Camille. Thank you. (laughs) I'm thinking about all these things that you're saying and going, yes, yes, yes. That would have been really, really helpful to know uh, for sure. And is there – so postpartum doula is after birth, and then there's a doula role prior to birth too that doulas will help – Pregnant women, right?
1: Yes. So birth doulas are there to support you, um, to make sure that you're educated, that you have an informed birth, so you know what questions to ask. You know what your rights are as the birthing parent. Um, And just to prepare you for what you're going to go through, help with pain management, I actually recently helped a friend as her birth doula. Uh, That's not my favorite. (laughs) It's kind of stressful. But I was glad that I was there to help her because— she had a really, really hard time. Um, you know, the hospital was a bit negligent, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, and she didn't really know how to advocate for herself. And I had to do it virtually, but I was grateful that I was able to do that for her.
0: To help her and to get through some of those challenges. Camille, you're passionate about disparities in Black maternal health care. How do you help moms of color navigate the health care system?
1: So at Maternal Wellness Center, where I work part-time, I run a support group for moms of color called Melanin Moms. I post so much on social media, just about different information, letting people know their options. Like, I didn't know anything about a midwife or doulas or anything when I had my kids. And I feel like that information isn't always presented in neighborhoods with people of color and communities of color. The statistic is that Black women die at three to four times higher rate than their white counterparts during the postpartum period and during childbirth. And, um, you know, so like I said before, just, you know, education and advocating for them. I had a friend recently, um, I spoke about earlier, who I helped her through her birth. She had some complications uh, postpartum and the hospital, you know, when she went back was very nonchalant. Very, you know, oh, well, you know, it could be this, but we'll test you on Monday. And with her symptoms, I was like, you need to have them test you for preeclampsia. So that was on a Friday. And they told her, oh, well, we're slow for the weekend. So we can't test you until Monday. And she was just going to wait there. They didn't give her a breast pump. They wouldn't even admit her to the labor and delivery floor. And she didn't know that all these things were wrong. Mm -hmm. And so I said to her, no, they need to admit you to labor and delivery. They should have you on the postpartum floor so that you can be with your baby. Um, you know, make sure that they're providing you with a pump, make sure they're providing you with, you know, sanitary napkins and things like that. They had her in the general ER and didn't give her anything. Mm. And with the whole testing situation, I had to give her buzzwords, you know, ask them if they're willing to um, take on the liability if something happens to you, if you were to stroke out, if you were to die, if they don't test you until Monday. This is a test that needs to happen right away. Here's the reasons why, here are all the symptoms, ask them for this test, ask them if you can see a cardiologist. And so because I was able to to do the medical research to know what she needed and to reach out to like Silver and other people I knew who were in that field, I was able to give her the information that she needed. And once I did that, then everyone jumped. Mm-hmm. And you know she was moved to the postpartum floor but and they did they worked a lot better they were a lot better after i said i called the patient advocate and i emailed them and let them know that i'd be following up and that i wanted to speak with their risk management team and so once that happened then she was able to get all the necessary tests and she did have preeclampsia
0: so you talked about a lot there in yes. buzzwords questions that you asked, risk assessment team i mean what steps would you encourage women of color to take as they are navigating through that kind of as a first step.
1: So if you feel that you are not being treated fairly, if you feel that you're being neglected in any way, shape, or form, ask to speak to the patient advocate. You Google is your best friend. Do your research. Find out, you know, what certain symptoms mean and ask your doctor. Ask all the questions in the world. And if you don't feel like you're getting adequate care, let them know. If you don't feel that you can adequately... Uh, provide the care that I need, are you able to move me to a facility that can?
0: Really being an advocate for yourself and ask questions, ask questions, ask questions. Yes. Yeah. With Melon and Moms, if people are listening and they're interested in learning more about that, where can they learn more about that uh, local group?
1: Um, You can go to maternalwellnesscenter.org and um, there's a link that gives us a short description of what we talk about. It's really informal. Um, There's a $5 donation. And, you know, we meet Friday afternoons at 4. Love it. It's just an hour. And it's just to talk about, you know, the struggles and, you know, just to share advice or just to build the village that a lot of people don't really have these days.
0: We'll be sure to share that website as well so that okay. listeners are able to learn more about that and join. And I also wanted to ask, as a postpartum doula, if they, if they if someone's listening and really wanted to reach out to learn more about having a postpartum doula work with them, where would they find out more information about that?
1: Um, they could find us on the maternalwellness.org website or also at com, where they can actually book a session. They can book, um, even if they just have like questions and they need information, they can book sessions where we just do virtually over the phone or we can give support and offer information too. Thank you for sharing that.
0: You're welcome. And when you were talking earlier about helping one of your clients, one of your friends try to navigate the healthcare system, mm-hmm. when you are working with clients, when you're working with women, how do you help them to ask the right questions as they're trying to navigate the healthcare system and advocate for themselves in the best way?
1: So, the first thing I do is I ask what type of birth or what type of postpartum care, what type of parenting they would like for themselves. And I try to just support them in that. And so uh, with my friend, she wanted a natural birth um, with the option of an epidural. She wanted, you know, her sister in the room as well as myself. And I told her, okay, so let's talk to the doctors. Let's find the best place for you to give birth. Um, Let's ask all these questions up front, what's allowed? Because with COVID, all of the regulations are different. So let's ask how many support people you can have in the room. Let's ask about pain management Um, I gave her education and resources for, um, and all the information for um, different types of pain management, how different things would affect her, how they'd affect the baby, um, any risk factors, and just made sure she had informed, she was able to make informed decisions.
0: So asking a lot of questions, kind of what I'm hearing from you is also really laying out that birth plan. Yes. Right? All of the different factors Mm -hmm. that you really want with your birth. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Looking at how much you are focused on health disparities and um, helping communities of color to be the best advocates they can be in the healthcare setting, mm-hmm. but also talking about breastfeeding in the Black community, and I, I'm I'm really excited to talk with you about breastfeeding. I think it's a, a an important topic that a lot of women struggle with, mm-hmm. in, it, for sure. But in if we could first start with access to care, something you're passionate about and trying to help all families connect with. Can you talk to us about the lack of access to care and information in low-income communities and how you're helping
1: families to get access to those resources? Sure. Um, So a lot of the hospitals that are in low-income areas don't really push for breastfeeding. They don't push for natural birth. Uh, There's lots of medical interventions and not a lot of one on one time spent with each patient to inform them of their choices. Um, it's more of a get them in, get them out, and people are not always aware of their options. Like I said, when I had my kids, my oldest is fourteen. I, n- I had no idea about midwives and doulas and things like that. If you go to the suburban hospitals, there's that information is everywhere, mm-hmm. and in those circles, people talk about it, and they talk about their midwives, they talk about their doulas, they talk about birthing centers. Um, and most of the people that I knew didn't didn't know anything about that stuff. And so I think it's just really important to share the information, whether it's word of mouth, posting on our website. Um, we try to do, um, you know, on our podcast, we try to talk about it on Two Not Two Black Moms. But when I look at the difference in the information, like I said, with the breastfeeding, I was asked immediately, like, what kind of formula are you going to use? Not are you planning to formula or breastfeed and when i took a informal poll it was the same i noticed it was the same thing over and over again with the women of color that i knew that were having babies it was formula was pushed and not a log, Not excuse me not a lot of education about how breastfeeding works and how your body produces milk and the benefits of breastfeeding for not only the baby but for mom as well mm-hmm. And a lot of misinformation, things like the baby will be too attached, they won't get enough to eat, they won't sleep well. And I just felt it was really important to allow people to understand, you know, this is not the truth and this isn't okay. And the best start for your baby is breastfeeding. And I, I'm not a breast is best person only because I understand that that's not an option for everyone. Mm-hmm. And as long as your baby is fed and healthy – we can support you through that, but if it's something that you want to try or something that you want to do i I try to encourage people as much as I can to try breastfeeding
0: so when you when you talk about helping to create opportunities for those resources and learning more, mm-hmm. your podcast that you have that you and silver have and and tell us again where where listeners can find that
1: okay, so we our podcast is called two black moms t w o not t o o black moms on Instagram and Facebook, and we have a YouTube channel as well, all by the same name. And you can check out any of our uh, videos on there.
0: Can you tell us about some resources that are available for breastfeeding support and what's out there?
1: Yes. So La Leche League is a great breastfeeding resource. Kellymom.com is a great breastfeeding resource. Um, You can always check American Academy of Pediatrics. They always have the most up-to-date information. For moms who are low-income and are lacking resources, there's a great program called OnCall in Philadelphia. Their services include pregnancy-related concerns, postpartum follow-up, GI discomfort, pregnancy testing, and mental health needs, morning sickness, breast health, breastfeeding concerns, spotting, bladder health, abdominal pain, STI screening, vaginal infections, um, general health questions, and high blood pressure. And they start pre-pregnancy and go all the way through to postpartum.
0: It's a great resource. In
1: yes. Center.
0: What I love about hearing all these resources too, Camille, is we'd love to include them on the todayisagoodday.org page as resources for families as they are looking into resources for the NICU for breastfeeding. And we were talking about breastfeeding a little bit, and it... You know, it can be really difficult, and I think what you said about making sure that all babies are fed, not some women can't breastfeed, it's difficult for them. I mean, our personal journey, it was very hard for, for me, having our twins so prematurely at, at 23 weeks. It was a very stressful time. But can we talk a little bit about how you approach breastfeeding with families mm-hmm.
1: when they when you start working with them? Sure. So I always ask um, if they're interested in breastfeeding um and most of the time most people are and then I let them know the benefits about uh transferring antibodies the mom's antibodies to the babies how our bodies create the perfect milk for the baby perfect nutrition and it changes as the baby's needs change um I ask them about you know I let them know that their insurance will more than likely cover for a pump um we talk about how much they need to eat not overfeeding babies um Proper nutrition. The benefits for mom are when we have a baby, our bodies are prepared to to breastfeed. And when we don't, our bodies actually go through a grieving process. Mm. And so sometimes it can accelerate postpartum depression. And that can make it a little difficult, you know, for mom in those first few weeks. I did not know that. Yeah. I did not know
0: that. Thank you Mm -hmm. for sharing that. And when you were talking about your own personal experience as a woman of color, being shown the formula, you know, what formula are you going to use? Breastfeeding, I feel like, is so important. These days we hear about a lot in the hospitals, the move away from formula, really focusing on breast milk. Have you seen that change in Black communities
1: over the past number of years? And can you share more about that? Absolutely. I really have. Um, Like I said, when I had my oldest, I didn't know a lot of people, a lot of women of color who were nursing their children. Um, There was the whole misconception that your baby would be too attached to you. You'd never be able to leave them with a sitter. And I didn't have that experience at all. I enjoyed most of my moments of nursing. Um, I nursed my oldest for about a year. Mm -hmm. And then each each baby got to nurse a little bit longer because it's a little harder to break them.
0: <laughs> that is amazing. But can we just take a minute? Because that is just so impressive. I mean, oh, kudos you. to you. That is really wonderful. Thank you. That's really wonderful. Yeah. So you have seen an increase in breastfeeding and and um,
1: and parents being willing to try it. I have. And with social media, I feel like people have shared lots of pictures and stories of breastfeeding. Um Just to normalize it, Mm -hmm. just to normalize it. I mean, I definitely have had moments where people I'd be nursing in public and they'd be like, oh, my gosh, can't you find a bathroom or shouldn't you cover? And just educating them about it's normal. And if women are having
0: trouble breastfeeding, where do you send them? Where could they go to find help or resources to look into?
1: A lactation consultant is wonderful. Um, the Leche League has lactation consultants. You can look online and Google local lactation consultants in your area. Um, Maternal Wellness Center actually has a new therapist. She's also a lactation consultant, and she's amazing. And then, like I said, I myself am a breastfeeding counselor, which is a little different than a lactation consultant. They usually have a nursing background and a four-year degree. I'm more like a peer counselor. hmm
0: which make a big difference. We we talk about peer counselors a lot and connecting with somebody else who has been there and yes. understands, so it's wonderful what you're doing. Your podcast, we touched on it briefly that you and Silver have two not-two-black moms. Yeah. What are some of the topics that you cover in the podcast?
1: Uh, we cover everything. We talk about parenting, uh, even the differences in our own parenting, because Silver is fair-skinned and she's married to a man who's Russian and so her children are very fair-skinned. Whereas my husband is black and I'm black and our kids are not fair skinned at all. They're, you know, different shades of brown. But just different ways that we parent based on what we're preparing them for in life. Things like um, interactions with the police, uh, dealing with how they're treated in schools. I just saw um, the other day online, Montgomery County, there's only 35% of their student population is children of color. But they, I mean, I'm sorry, 15% are children of color, but 35% are, uh, the total of suspensions. Mm. And I'm, you know, that number to me is ridiculous. But like I said, I used to work in emotional support and I see the difference in how children of color are treated. They're not, their mental health issues aren't dealt with. Their trauma isn't dealt with. Mm -hmm. They're punished. Whereas more, chil- more white children are given the services. They're provided with counselors. Their parents are pointed in the right direction as far as um, getting an IEP, getting services for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a disservice to children of color in that regard. And so we talk about things like that. We talk about the disparities in healthcare for women of color. Um, we cover anything that has to deal with race, mm-hmm. pretty much.
0: Well, and you you both have started a scholarship fund as well. Talk yes. to us about that.
1: So um, there's not a lot of women of color in the birth work field. Um, it can be a little pricey to get into and also just to even get started because doula work, if you're doing overnights, it's really hard to maintain a regular job. So we started a scholarship fund to help women of color enter into the field with International Doula Institute, they can take classes there to become a certified postpartum doula, certified birth doula, breastfeeding counselor. Um, and so we, we were able to award a scholarship in January for a young lady to become a birth doula. And then also we helped families because doula care is expensive um, and it's not a service that everyone can afford. And it's not covered by insurance. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to help more families who need it most, we, um, we raised enough money to be able to help three families with birth, postpartum, and maternal health care.
0: That's incredible. Thank you. That's wonderful. I've I've enjoyed following you both and and the difference that you're making, and also seeing all of your kids that are like family <laughs> together. I mean, it's really yeah. really amazing. Um, but I'm so gla- grateful to have crossed paths with you and to uh, make this connection with you. And I really appreciate you being here today to talk to us a little bit more about your role, uh, what you're doing as a postpartum doula, uh, the impact that you're making, and just grateful to
1: have you here with us today. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it.
0: This episode of the Today is a Good Day podcast is brought to you with support from Life Celebration by Givnish and KeyBank.